0: Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, G, U, corner, halfback, flat, on to, ready, right! Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42!
1: Blue 42!
0: Happy Friday, Michael Bumpus. How are you now?
1: Happy Friday, fellas. I am doing well. How about yourselves? It's well, crazy. We got Texas and Oklahoma leaving the SEC. The Cleveland baseball team has been renamed the Guardians. And Paul's trying to tell me that Oklahoma State should be part of the Pac-12. Why not? Nuts. Why not? Oklahoma State, part of the Pac-12.
2: There's nothing Pacific about the uh, uh, Oklahoma State. What about Colorado? They got the
1: Beavs colors. They got the Beavs colors. No, Colorado is tight. Somebody else brought that up. No, Colorado has a very clear West Coast tie in that yeah. all sorts of fools from California go to Boulder. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Red Rock, let's go. All right. Question number one, Michael Bumpus. So the big news in the NFL over the last twenty-four hours, I think, has been a little bit overplayed, but the reactions have been strong enough where clearly it's resonating with players. Essentially, the NFL is trying to remind through some of its reporters that teams will have to forfeit. If there is a COVID outbreak within their team and organization and will not get that week. I I do wonder if this means that they're all of a sudden going to say to themselves, yeah, we're not going to try to reschedule a game and put it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and maybe schedule some other games, move things around. Part of me is skeptical about that, but um, what, what do you think about this? Because from the player's perspective, All of a sudden, it feels like the league is telling everybody, hey, you better get vaccinated.
2: That's exactly what the league is doing. They're saying, look, we want a full season. We want to try to keep people as safe as possible, and this is the way we believe that we can do that by getting guys vaccinated. Now, it's a free country. You do what you want to do. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't have to get vaccinated, but there are consequences that come to that. You have to live a certain life during the NFL season. We know there's a bunch of young guys out there who got a bunch of money to spend. The country's opening back up in a lot of places. They want to get out there. The part that is messed up to me, okay, the team who is responsible for the forfeit obviously gets that loss. The other team doesn't get to play, but guys don't get paid. What about the guys who are vaccinated who did exactly what the league wants them to do, but they don't get paid? And any other job, there's like sick leave. You get paid sick leave. Like, hook these guys up with something. The guys who are following your rules, who are being safe when it comes to how you see this thing, are being punished. And I just don't agree with that. They have to get some type of conversation. Now, I understand not a full check. You're not playing a full game. You're not going to get a $200,000 check. But give them something for that week because they had nothing to do with it. I understand what the NFL is doing. Each organization, um, businesses have their own rules with the Seahawks. I had to get vaccinated or I wasn't going to be able to do my job and be around the players. I made that decision. Other people did made a different decision, and they're not working. I just think that guys who follow your rules – should be
1: compensated something during that that off week. I think Paul's right here in that he said this is saber rattling. That yes the NFL sent out this memo and said that but nobody's going to miss a paycheck. I I would be I would be shocked if any game does not get played in the upcoming year. I I I, I would be really sorry and I Paul said that and I think he's right.
0: This is a way though to get some more cautious types or players who Realize, geez, if I miss out on a paycheck, this would be bad for me, bad for my and, family. And my to t- my go teammates about are going to be mad at me yeah. if
1: I don't get the vaccine, and I'm. Want- they're trying to use peer pressure. Pure and you can pressure. debate about like what, <laughs> how fair that actually really is. I I don't I-, I personally don't have that big an issue with it, but I don't I don't think they're going to end up not playing games. I think Paul's right about that.
2: A lot of money lost if they don't play.
1: Exactly.
0: And money the, talks. Right. They'll they'll play them on Tuesday. They'll play them on Wednesday. And they did it this past year. And this past year, you know, the idea of the COVID outbreak being such that a game can't be played too. Do we buy that? I know that, what, 14 teams have reached the 85% vaccination threshold. I'm guessing that it's going to be a lot more difficult to have the same kind of outbreaks amongst the team that we saw at times last year. Not to say that it's not possible, but I would imagine right now that it's a lot less likely than it was, of course, before we had these vaccinations rolling out.
1: There's, there's also the question of would you treat a positive test for someone who has been vaccinated for COVID differently than you would treat a positive test for someone who's not been vaccinated? In baseball, they do. Jake Fraley is on an automatic if if as it's been reported he was not vaccinated he he's got to miss he's quarantined for 10 days like it's not a matter of hey you test until you're negative which if you'd had the vaccine you, you get that so it can be less than that um so yeah that how the the logistics of it the other thing that they haven't said is if they didn't play a game the owners would miss their money too right Yep. Like the owners, the owners would still miss out on their money. I don't think the owners are missing out on their money. I don't. I don't think the owners are going to put themselves in that situation. Weird thing is,
2: stadiums are going to be full capacity. Yeah. I mean, you're not not requiring everyone else to be vaccinated in the stadium. So why are you requiring everyone in the league to be? I mean, I get it, but it's it's two different sets of rules right now. Just Be consistent across the board. If that's what you're going to do, NFL,
1: be consistent across the board. Question two. All right, bump Jordan Brooks, second year linebacker. He was listed as the number five entry, number five entry by Seth Galena's second year breakout candidates. He came up with fifteen dudes that he thinks might make the leap from 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 rookie to star. Joe Burrow is the top of the list. He's got Jordan Brooks number five. You you think we could see Brooks make a quantum leap this year? I think we can. Because he's going to get way more snaps,
2: right? He's going to be out there a lot more than he was last year. Last year, he had 57 tackles, two for loss, two passes defended. And the first thing I did was I just compared him to KJ. I'm like, All right, what did KJ do? How did KJ progress? KJ's first year, he had 60 tackles. Second year, he had 98. Um, third year, 80. Then he went for a streak over 100 tackles for the next four or five years. And then I look at their games. And I see Jordan Brooks as probably the more athletic linebacker when it comes to him or KJ. KJ's the better linebacker. He's got his wits about him. He's smart. He understands leverage. But just pure athleticism, I look at Jordan Brooks and I say, okay, that guy has the tools to make it happen. He plays reckless right now. When you're young, you're reckless. You're going to throw your face in every tackle. You're going to set edge. It's just your game looks different. You look like you're going to roll the dice a bit more. And I think he has that in him. He's explosive. He's one of the fastest backers I've seen in a little bit on this on this team. So I think he can make the jump. I'm completely confident in what Jordan Brooks can do. Again, there are going to be times where he struggles. That's just the process of becoming an NFL pro. But there's nothing in his game that makes me think that he cannot be one of the top dogs on this team. And maybe in a couple years in the league, one of the
0: things that we've seen be very difficult adjustments for some young linebackers is being put into coverage situations. And we saw it last year to an extent with with Patrick Queen. We've seen it before, and I know that Pro Football Focus would make that argument with Jordan Brooks. I think Brooks is really raw in that coverage side of things, and I think that's good. I feel like he can actually get a lot better. And I think that the skills that he has as far as being able to see little small spots that he can crash through in the offensive line that is something that you can't teach everybody. And I I, thought, I saw that just in his tape at Texas Tech, and I remember seeing that, and I was like, wow, he's he when he sees a little spot that he can go north and south on, he explodes into it. So I, I feel like there's a lot of potential with Brooks. I think this was a really good pick, and I'm really excited, Bump, to see what he's going to be able to do this season.
2: Shoot the gap, right? We hear yeah. that term in football. When you, you think of Jordan Brooks, that dude knows how to shoot the gap in mean, his instincts. He's just a ball player. There's some guys you can just characterize as football players, right? You don't have to overcoach them. You don't have to tell them where their foot needs to be in this alignment and be perfect because they have other things that make up for that. I see some of that in Jordan Brooks. It's too early to see if he's going to be a great, but I think he has all the physicals to be a hitter and a starter and a good ball player.
0: Question number three. This is somewhat Mariners related. I feel like the Mariners are too good for Rafael Montero to keep making appearances. <laughs> They've got to have better options. If Danny's going to say that this is a good baseball team, okay, you got to at a certain point say enough is enough with Rafael Montero. It, it was all
1: soft contact last oh night, my Paul.
0: God. You with Evan White and with Rafael Montero. I can't with even soft contact. You're the most,
1: soft contact. You're, you're it was bleeder's and bloops. You
0: know what? You would be a great a great a great players coach, but we we need a little tough love here and, and Bob One of the things I find interesting about this situation with Montero, who keeps going out there, in football, this guy would be gone, right? I mean, snip, snip, snip. We ain't seeing this guy again, and maybe he props up with another football team. But, yeah, he's gotten a lot of chances here.
2: Oh, yeah, he's gotten a lot of chances. In football, man, you make too many mistakes in practice, you're out of here. (laughs) You know what I mean? With with Freddie, see, not Freddie. I was gonna call him Freddie Montero, the old uh, Sounders guy. While my wife used to have a crush on him. I should change the channel every time the Sounders came out, she was crushing on. Him. <laughs> but uh, Montero, man, he keeps getting opportunities. So what does that mean? If you keep putting a guy out there who continues to not get it done, you must like him personality-wise, and he must be trying to work on the things that you're telling him to work on. Or you spent so much or you gave so much on this guy. You're like, no, no, no. You're getting out there. You are going to figure this out. What they give up? A couple of guys to, to get Montero. So they're they're kind of force-feeding it right now. I hope he figures it out. Because I hate seeing athletes struggle. But at some point, you just gotta let it go. I remember. I remember when I was gonna get cut with the Seahawks. I remember. I knew it. I'm like, I'm about to get cut. They brought in a couple receivers. I was just coming off an injury. They brought in a couple receivers who were good. They were my size, did the things that I did. And I made one mistake at practice. And the way my offensive coordinator just blew up on me, I'm like, dude, that's one mistake. I'm just getting back. And I saw what they had coming in. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to get cut, man. They've been lining this up for a couple weeks, waiting for me to get healthy. So the writing was on the wall. I wonder if the writing is on the wall for Montero at this point. He walks out there. I don't see any confidence. I don't think the team has any confidence in him. But – from what you hear, he's a he's a favorite in the locker room, guys like him. It's but
1: it's it might be time to let him go. Might be time. The writing is on the wall? I have no idea what that would be like. I don't know what that would feel like at all. If things had changed in circumstances as where the writing was on the wall. Oh, maybe I do. It is Danny Gallant. Michael Bumpus is with us here for Blue 42.